you. <clears throat> Something might, we don't know. But I, I, uh, this isn't new age and this isn't visualization. This is simply just meditating on the person of Jesus. So if you're willing, I'm going to invite you to close your eyes with me. And uh, we're just going to spend about a minute thinking about Jesus. And uh, so let's do that. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Shine your light, O Lord, on us and in us now. Come. Come, Lord. We invite you into our house. As we're just sort of meditating, let's just think, think about Jesus. Maybe you have no idea who Jesus is. Maybe you know who Jesus is. Maybe you heard a story about Jesus. Maybe this morning you read about Jesus. But just think about Jesus. And so for each of us, we're just going to we're going to just think as we, as, as we meditate and we're going to just wonder, how do you see Jesus appearing to you in this moment this morning? What does he look like? What is maybe the expression on his face? Does he come up from behind? Does he come up from the front? Does he come beside you? Let's just... Let's just each think on that. Holy Spirit, we welcome you to just reveal the person of Christ to each of us today. And we're just going to take about a minute. knowing you. It is our joy to follow you. And just this morning, February 5, Sunday, 2023, the year of our Lord, we invite you again to be near us, to speak to us, Whatever you might say, we want to listen. That we would know you more, God. You are our our prize. You are our passion. You are our portion. We're so thankful for you. Healing us, forgiving us, teaching us, correcting us, saving us. We bless you. Bless the holy name of the Savior. Amen. All right. Well, maybe uh, something happened for you there that you'll hang on to. The first time I ever did that exercise, I was surprised because as I began thinking about Jesus, wondering if he would do this or that, I uh, had a very clear impression that he just came up behind me 
and bear hugged me, and it was kind of the last thing I expected, and uh, it was the thing I needed. So I met the Lord Jesus in November of 1990. This morning's message is titled, Do I Know About Jesus or Do I Know Jesus? And I want to ask you to think about that for the next 30 minutes. I met the Lord 32 years ago. Shortly after meeting him, I read a horrifying passage that we're going to read today in Matthew 7. And I've been thinking about it for 32 years. And in that passage, he says some things that are very invitational, but also very confrontational. And I think it's one of those things where if you kind of never think about this, you might be in trouble. But if you do think about it and it slightly bothers you, then that's probably a good sign, right? It's probably a good sign. And... uh, So we're going to talk about the difference between knowing about Jesus and knowing Jesus. And I want to just ask each of us this question this morning. I believe the Holy Spirit would ask each of us this question this morning. Um, do, Do you, do I know about Jesus or do I know Jesus? So I'm going to ask you to just be thinking about that for the next little while. And uh, I want to pray again and just ask a blessing on the reading of the word. Let's, Let's do that. Lord, we're thankful for your word in English. And we thank you that we have it this morning freely. It's not something we forget. And uh, thank you for the Bible. Thank you for the written word translated for us freely in this country. I ask that it would have great power again this morning. Holy Spirit, come. Empower God that we would find you, that by your power of your death and the power of your resurrection and the power of your spoken word, the power of your written word, the power of your Holy Spirit, that we could have the grace to respond to you. God, without you, we can't. The flesh profits nothing. So we ask you to give us ears to hear what the Spirit says to the church, and that's us. Open our ears, Lord, to hear you. And I ask that you'd bypass logic, presumption, pretend, play, all these things. And we just invite you in to your house again for your glory. So blow, Holy Spirit, move in us. We welcome you. In Jesus' name, amen. Matthew 7, everyone smile. Heavy one today. Matthew seven thirteen, verses 13 through 23. Jesus says this, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, the way is broad that leads to destruction. Many are those who enter by it. The gate is small, The way is narrow that leads to life. Few are those who find it. Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing inward. They're ravenous wolves. You'll know them by their fruits. Grapes aren't gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit. Every bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit. And a bad tree can't bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So you'll know them by their fruits. Not even everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons, and in your name perform many miracles. 
I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who do evil. This is a question that has existed since the very beginning, I think, of people having faith in God. Do I pretend or do I do? Is there really something happening in my heart and life that is evidenced by fruit, or am I just pretending my way through it? Maybe for some of us, and if this happens to you this morning, I would, would really plead with you to pay attention because um, it's really an important issue. And it's real easy, especially in the American cozy, coffee, caffeinated, comfortable, air-conditioned church, for us to just kind of ride along. Maybe you even grew up in church and in religion, and you, you, you just kind of do this thing. You just, maybe you show up, and maybe you even give money, maybe you even serve. Um, but you, you know about something instead of knowing someone. And there couldn't be more of a contrast in the entire universe than, than that. And we as Christian people are called not to know about our faith and not to know about Jesus or about the Bible, but to know him, to have a personal and a wonderful collision with the living God in the person of Jesus Christ. And so if you know now, or maybe in the next few minutes as I, as I try to explain this passage, if you're in a place where you, you, you realize that I, I, I know about Jesus, but I don't know if I know Jesus. Or maybe you're a Christian, but, and maybe you knew Jesus 10 years ago or five years ago or one year ago or before the pandemic, and maybe now you just kind of know about Jesus again. Holy Spirit, would you just rattle us? Because you were meant to know Jesus. You were meant to know him intimately. That is why he died. That is why he was sent. He was not just sent to save you from sin and you go to heaven and just live your life. He, like, he wants an intimate personal relationship with each of us. And that is what Christianity is. That's why it's life-giving. That's why it's beautiful. It is not religion. It is not institution. It is not obligation. And it's not easy. But for the joy set before him and that we would overflow with living water, you know, Jesus said, I came to give you life and life meagerly, right? No. He said, I came to give you life and life abundantly. And your face will shine like Moses coming down from the mountain when you've experienced the living God. And that is what we are called to be. Guys, don't settle for anything less. It's not worth it. Knowing him is the greatest joy we can have. And that's what I want to talk about. We're going to look at three case studies, and then we're going to look real quickly at what I call three tells. The first case study is Cain and Abel. If you have your Bible, go back to Genesis. Back to Genesis. With, is that Ken Ham? Is that Ken Ham? It's a, all good stuff. Back to Genesis. I'm going to just read three snippets of three stories. The first case study is Cain and Abel. Do I know about Jesus or do I know Jesus? Cain and Abel were two of the first humans on the planet, two of the first humans on the planet. Genesis 4, 3 through 7, it says this. This is, of course, Adam and Eve's children, and the earth is new. Cain and Abel are brothers. Genesis 4, 3 through 7, it says this. It came out in the course of time, Cain brought an offering to the Lord of the fruit of the ground, and Abel on his part brought of the firstlings of the flock and of their fat portions. The Lord had regard for Abel and for his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. For Cain became very angry. His countenance fell. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, 
Won't your countenance be lifted up? If you don't do well, sin's crouching at the door. Its desire is for you. You must master it. So, there's the why and the what, and why was God pleased with one, not the other, and that's a whole other sermon. But here's the bottom line of what I want to illustrate to you today through this passage. Cain knew about God, and he even talked to him, but he did not please him, and he did not know him. Abel knew God, and Abel did what was pleasing to him and brought him pleasure. And there is a big, big difference. Did you know you can know about God? Guys, did you know you can even talk to God and not know God? That's what Cain did. He fell out of God's favor. Second case study is the sheep and the goats in Matthew 25. So we're flipping back to the New Testament now. Matthew 25, the sheep and the goats. Again, just a snippet of this story from Matthew 25, 31 through 41. It will be on the Son of Man come when the Son of Man comes in his glory, all the angels uh, with him, and he will sit on his glorious throne, and the nations will be gathered before him, and they'll sep- he'll separate them as one, another as a shepherd separates sheep from the goats. He'll put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. And the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you. I was hungry, you gave me food. Thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger, you invited me into your home. Naked, you gave me clothes. I was sick, you visited me. I was in prison, you sat with me. The sheep will say, Lord, when did we do all those things? We don't remember. Verse 40, he says, Truly I say to you that to the extent that You did it to one of my brothers, even to the very least of them. In that way, you met me. And then he says the opposite to those on his left. Depart from me. I was hungry. I was thirsty. I was sick. I was in prison. I was lonely. You didn't come. And they said, Lord, when did we not do that? And he said, when you didn't do it to the least, you didn't do it to me. Again, just like the Cain and Abel story, the goats knew all about God. They even talked to God. They even thought they were on their way to heaven with God, but they were excluded. The sheep knew him, and they did what was pleasing to him. Third case study, and this one's really hairy. Acts chapter 19, the sons of Sceva. Weird stories of the Bible, chapter 8. Do you ever hear this story? That'd be a great thing, like, if I was a youth pastor, like, if we didn't have another thing the Lord was telling us to do. Let's, let's just look at all the weird stories in the Bible. Like We'd have like a hundred editions, probably a thousand, because there's so many weird stories. The sons of Sceva, it's a little heavy in here. Everybody smile. Acts 19, case study number three, the sons of Sceva, Acts 19. This is the formation of the new church, and Paul and Peter and the other disciples and the Marys are all just sharing Jesus all over the Middle East, and we come upon this story in Acts 19. Verse 13 through 18, Acts 19, verse 13. When some of the Jewish exorcists who went from place to place attempted to name over those who had evil spirits in the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, I adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. So they're casting out demons because they see the, the apostles doing it and the Christians. I mean, forget the apostles, just the normal Christians were doing it. By the way, you don't have to be an apostle to do the miracles of Jesus, did you know? Like, Acts 6, I love, because the, the, the apostles are like, man, like, we love waiting on these widows. It's, it's great to serve tables. It's really important. But we just can't do that and give ourselves to the word of God. Like, we're just, we're not sleeping. We don't have any, like, so we need some people that can serve. 
Uh, deacon is where that word deacon, it's the Greek word uh, dekanos comes from. And so they're like, choose some people full of the Holy Spirit. So like, okay, let's get some people, you know, and they pick Philip and, you know, a bunch of others, Stephen, you know, not big names at all in the history of the church. And they're like taking care of the widows. And then like, those are the guys that are like doing the stuff. Like Philip, like he's the guy that led the Ethiopian eunuch to Christ and then got teleported. That doesn't happen very often. And then Stephen, like he beheld the face of Jesus like, saw it as they were throwing stones and said, Lord, forgive them for what they're doing. And those guys weren't apostles. They were table servants. So, in any case, um, that was a tangent. But <clears throat> they're doing miracles, and they say uh, in verse 13, to the demonized person and the demon in them, or demons in them, I adjure you by Jesus who Paul preaches. I adjure you by Jesus who Paul preaches. Verse 14. And the seven sons of one Sceva, the Jewish chief priests, were doing this very same thing. The evil spirit answered and said to them, I recognize Jesus, and I know about Paul, but who are you? And the man in whom was the evil spirit leaped on them. He subdued all of them. He overpowered them. So they fled out of the house naked and wounded. Just think about that for a minute. One demon-possessed man overpowered seven men who walked in to cast out that spirit. And he said to them this, We know all about Jesus, and we tremble. And we've heard of Paul. Who are you? Who are you? And then they had their way. So we want to ask ourselves this question. Do I know Jesus or do I just know about Jesus? And Satan and all the demons of hell would be very happy if you and I would just be content to play Christianity. I even think it would be worse for us, and I could support this in Scripture, if we played Christianity than if we just went out and lived our own life and sinned all we wanted. It's pretty supported through Scripture. Revelation 3 is one place, the church of Laodicea. Satan would be very happy if you would be content and I would be content to just know about Jesus. So think about that question. Three tells, and maybe a better thing is three invitations. Who likes to play cards? I've really enjoyed getting together now that, like, our daughter is not as sick as she was years ago, and the pandemic's over, and I don't have, like, children everywhere. Um, you know, I was talking to Jim this morning, just a little bit of humor to lighten the mood, because um, you guys all look like you're about to die. Um, we were talking about kids and uh and band-aids, and I realized um, we used to just go through boxes and boxes of band-aids with four kids in the house, and now we hardly ever do, because we just have one kid in the house. So one advantage of your kids leaving the home one day is less band-aids. <laughs> so we have been enjoying time with other couples, getting invited over, and spending time and learning card games, and one thing in cards is that you, there's a tell if you're playing, especially a game like poker or whatever, and uh, so you could have the, you know, the poker face that could give you away or not. I just had my yearly doctor checkup. 
And uh, it gets interesting the older you get because they order certain probes for you that you may have not known existed as when you were young, nor care to know about. And um, so they checked my cholesterol and they checked my blood pressure and they give me all these numbers and lab reports and they vials of blood, four vials of blood. And my point is, whether it's the poker face or the tests, the lab tests, you may look and appear very healthy, but what's your cholesterol? You may look and appear very healthy, but what's your resting heart rate? You may look and appear very healthy, but what is your blood pressure? And those things show us kind of what's really going on inside. And in the same way, here are some things that might help me and you answer the question, do I know about Jesus or do I truly know Jesus? And so I'm just going to list the first three things that came to my mind, and then we're going to go back to our Matthew passage as we end. And the first one is, you had an experience with Jesus that changed your life. A life-changing encounter with Jesus. Now, it doesn't have to be, like, super dramatic. You know, like, you didn't have to, like, do a somersault backwards, dive in a, you know, vat of potato chips, and then, like, you know, come out singing. Like, none of that, it doesn't have to be anything dramatic. But what it has to be is that it changed your life. Because Jesus is not, like, you know, meeting anyone else. He's God. And meeting him, truly meeting him, will change your life. It will fill you with joy. It will fill you with peace. It will make you a warrior. Examples of this in the scripture, Peter on the beach has a dramatic experience. He's fishing. I love this story. It's accounted in, uh, accounted, account, it's accounted in Luke 5. And he's just going about his day, not in church, by the way, not in church. Most of the meetings with Jesus are not in church. Very important which tells us something about our function as Christians in the world today. Jesus is in the bar. He's in your school. He's in your office. He's in your neighborhood. He's at the playgroup. He's here too. But as I read the New Testament, that's where he seems to be working the most. So Peter's on the beach doing his job. He's failing at it. And Jesus comes up. The miracle happens. The nets are full of fish after them getting nothing all night. Peter's overwhelmed, and Peter, it's not about the miracle, okay? Forget the miracle. The miracle is really irrelevant. The miracle was just what dumb Peter and what dumb Jeff and what dumb you and I need sometimes to be like, oh, God is here. Okay, God's here, okay? Boom, like this is better than the internet, right? Like God's right here with me. So that got his attention, but what really happened in him was he, what did he say when he fell on his knees? He said, depart from me, I'm a sinful man. He realized at that moment, this is the Savior, this is the Messiah, this is the promised one. And this hole in my heart can be met by this person, but I'm not worthy to be around this person. It's conviction of sin and the holiness of God in the midst of his own need. And Jesus did what Jesus always does to a person in that posture. Come here. Let's catch men now, not fish. And it changed his life. And he said, okay. And he put aside his nets. Same thing happened to Paul on the way to Damascus. Was it on a horse or not? I was debating with a church member this morning um, to be discussed later. But he's on the way to Damascus. Jesus appears to him. Everyone hears, but no one sees except Paul. And his life is completely changed. For me, my experience with Jesus 
1990 was the most real and lasting event that I've ever experienced. And I'll say that again. My experience with Jesus in 1990, the moment I met him, was the most real and lasting event that I've ever experienced. And, you know, as a younger parent, I remember I would pray that my kids would learn to be righteous and they'd learn the truth and they'd keep from sin and they'd grow in their gifts. And those are all good things, but at some point in my 40s, like, my prayer started changing. And I only have one prayer anymore for my kids and kind of like for all humans. Like, I want all those other things for all of us and for myself. But there's really just one prayer that, for me, that's the valid prayer. And it's just that my kids would have an encounter with Jesus. Because, guys, if that happens, everything else will happen. And I'm talking about me, too. I'd like to become less given to sin and more given to truth and more aware of the truth and more kind. And those are good things. But all of that happens when we encounter Jesus again and again and again and again and again. He will change your life. And you'll never be the same. We had a great free prayer a week or two ago. A bunch of people pulled in. Well, not a bunch, but we had three. We had three customers. We set up coffee on the side of the road Monday mornings with a sign. We look like idiots out there. Hey, vote vote for Clinton. Vote for Bush. Vote for Trump. Vote for Biden. You know, we're all out there waving, but our sign doesn't say anything like that. It just says free prayer, hot coffee. So we're out there waving, and sometimes, like, we get a honk. When we get a honk, we're like, yeah. <laughs> so people pull in, and this um, car pulled in. And um, when they pull in, they either pull in and get out, or they pull in and don't get out. And that's a ripe ground for the fruit of the Holy Spirit out there. So this was a puller in and didn't get out. So we wait about 10 seconds, because we don't want to be, like, creepy. Like, and then we slowly, yeah, car dealership. Like, we slowly walk up to the window, very slowly. Don't come from behind. Always go from the front, so you don't suddenly... I've learned how to do it the wrong way. I've gone to windows from behind and, oh, like they see you and like you're suddenly there. So I come around very slowly. I like use my like Mr. Rogers gate, like I'm, you know, very casual, like homely, just, and dark tinted windows, can't see who's in there. Window rolls down and there's this girl just sobbing in the car. And... We prayed and got some prophetic stuff and, you know, did the stuff we do. And, um, but she experienced the holy in that parking lot. She saw a sign. She had a need. And she said, I'm, I'm going to interrupt my day and go encounter God. And it, it was, I mean, that was the most beautiful thing that's happened to me in that week or so. And uh, I haven't forgotten it because that was the glory of God moving in a person's life. So, an encounter with Jesus. And, and, and let me say this too. There's a very big difference between having met someone and reading about them. Have you met anyone famous? Who's met someone famous? Just raise your hand. Don't. Wow. Who, who did you meet, Dan? Uh, Billy Graham? Billy Graham? Amen. Enjoy your Sunday. (laughs) 
Like, how close were you? Stephanie, who did you meet? President George H.W. Bush. President George H. Herbert Walker Bush. How close to him were you? Um, I got to shake his hand. What? <laughs> was there oil on it? Oil, George Bush oil? Joke. Wow, soft hands. This is like, man, we are two for two. Who else had their hand up? Ever... Everyone else isn't going to like, you're like, nah, like, all I met was like, you know, all right, who else? Who else? Who else? Lee? Anyone we'd know? Okay, okay, good enough, good enough. Julie, you met? Andrew Peterson. Yes, yes. Good one, good one, good one, good one. Juan? Otis Nixon. Who is that a sporty sport? Oh, he made the catch. Okay, there were some hands over here. Philandria met? What, 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 what? Skin to skin. You... She grabbed, she, she grabbed Steve Harvey, Tim Tebow, and someone else. Jimmy Fallon, yeah. Yeah, he's like a golf player or something. Did, did, did you meet? Little Wayne. Was there one or two? Mike. Andre Crouch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so get all that in your head. Now, here's the thing. I can read about Herbert Walker Bush, okay? But Stephanie knows that he has soft hands. Do you see the difference? Who knew he had soft hands? Did anyone know he had soft hands? You did not, but now we do. But she felt them, or at least one of them. Right? Okay? So, so, so here's my point. It is a big difference that, see, because I can say I read about Tim Tebow, but Flandria hugged him. Okay? I can say I listened to Billy Graham preach, but Dan met him. Do you see the difference? Now, think about Jesus. Can you say that you know about Jesus, or can you say that you met Jesus? Tell number two, intimate knowledge. Tell number one is a life-changing experience. Tell number two is intimate knowledge. When we know someone, instead of about them, we know things. I'll use myself as an example. My wife. You guys know things about my wife. You know what she looks like. You know what she sounds like. Some of you know how she cooks. You know minor details. But there's a big difference between knowing about someone and knowing them intimately. Because I know her shoe size. I know her ring size. I know what she's like when she has the flu. You don't. I know what she smells like when I hug her, when I smell her hair, her neck. I know the face that she makes when she brushes her teeth. (laughs) You don't. I know what she sounds like when she's breathing, when she's asleep. I know how she likes her steak cooked. I know her favorite kind of cheese. I know how she likes her coffee. And you don't. I know what it's like to, in the middle of the night, lay my head 
on her chest and count her heartbeats. And you don't. And many other special and wonderful things. Intimate knowledge. And in the same way, with God, we can know about God, or we can know God, and we can know Him intimately. There's two types of people. There's people that can say, yeah, Moses went up to that mountain and something happened. And then there's people like Moses that can meet God as a man talks to his friend face to face. And what happened when he came out of that experience? His face shone with the glory of God because he was close and he knew God. People that know God reflect him from their lives. Third tell fruit. Back to today's passage. In Matthew, today's passage, we read people coming to Jesus and saying, but Lord, I did this, and Lord, I did that, and da-da-da, da-da-da-da-da. And he said, well, you did all those things, but I never knew you. And he says there's fruit. And it's not like big fruit. Like, let me stress this. Like, the fruit, guys, isn't like Like, hey, pay attention right now. Like, make the most of your church experience. The fruit, it's not like, oh, like, I built 600 churches in, like, South America. Like, you know what the fruit is? Like, here's one. Ready? You don't lie. That's, like, a really, really big one. Just, like, sit sit with that for a minute. Fruit in our lives. Like, you're not a liar, Here's another one. I just read this in my quiet time in Acts. And they're telling the church, they're struggling, like, oh, do we eat meat sacrificed to idols? Because we used to worship the idols, and now we don't. But we have all this good meat, but it's all devoted to the idols. So can we eat it or not? Like, I don't know what we do. Like, and some are like, no, you can't eat that. You're going to burn in hell. And others are like, don't worry. He makes all things clean. To the pure, everything's pure. And they're like this big conflict in the church. So they're like, call someone who knows something. Get the fisherman. He didn't go to seminary, but he knows something. He was around Jesus. So they like, get Peter and Paul, and they get all the big big guys, and they're like, what do we do? And they're like, oh, all right, send all these people. Let's send Barnabas. And they send this team over, and they go to the church, and they like listen to all the stuff. And they're like, oh, okay, here's what you do. And they write a letter. This is right in the middle of Acts. Pay attention, folks. Get the most out of church this morning. And he's like, okay, well, this and this and this. And he's like, and by the way, make sure you don't fornicate. That's kind of important. Did, did you know that's really important? To just, like, not fornicate? Christians? Fruit in our lives. Don't lie. Here's another one. Don't love money. Like, don't spend all your money on you. Give your money away. Tell the truth. Don't fornicate. It's just these little simple things. And that's proof that we know Jesus. And, you know, sometimes we think we can kind of, like, trick God. Like, oh, like, look, God's moving the church, and, like, thousands are being saved, and there's miracles, and dropping handkerchiefs on people, and they're, like, getting healed, and, like, it's just crazy. Like, let me get a piece of this. I sold this land, and here's how much money we're giving to the church. And, like, you lied to the Holy Spirit. You're dead. Huh? Yeah, that's called New Testament Christianity. It's just the little things. It's the little things of just seeking fruit. 
I love in Acts 4.13, which I also am reading Acts in my quiet time, and uh, 4.13, they're looking at Peter and all the apostles, and they're like, what are these guys doing? Like, they're, they're like changing the world, and it says, the key phrase in there, it says, they recognize Peter and the apostles as people that had been with Jesus. And that's it. Like, did Peter have a seminary degree? Like, did he have 12 years of training? Like, was he, like, eloquent? No. Like, was he a strong leader at first? No. But how did he get recognized? I'm overpowering the phone right now. He had been with Jesus. And guys, that's how you'll be recognized. Like, they came down from the mountain and their face was shining. Why? Because, like, they got all the deals on Amazon Prime and they finished all the Netflix shows and they, like, bought all the best things and they, like, paid all their bills and they have 800 credit score. And, like, wow, none of that means a thing. Were we with Jesus? And if we're with Jesus, things change in our life. That is the source of all of it. I, when I worked at the mall as a manager, I've told this story before. It's, it's one of my favorite stories, and it's, it's bragging on God. And I had a boss there named Chris Wright. He changed my life. He was a good Mormon, good Mormon. Um, and uh, so we debated about our Mormons Christians few times and uh, he knew I was a Christian and he was my boss and he took me under his wing and he made me like go from a good manager to a really really good manager as he coached me for a couple of years and a young guy you know New Yorkish slicked back hair just you know five o'clock shadow just the ultimate like businessman and he came into that store and ruffled feathers and took me under his wing he was my immediate boss for two years and we spent a lot of time together. And we had a lot of corporate things we'd do in Atlanta, which was the uh, corporate headquarters for Macy's. So on occasion, I would get to go to Atlanta, and we'd go to these big meetings where everyone's, you know, dog and pony show. And uh, so one time we went, and Chris and I um, were put to room together. So, you know, they took all the managers to Atlanta, went to the big meeting. And I don't remember anything about those two days at all, by the way. Nothing except this five-minute five conversation. I don't remember anything. And uh, so we're sitting in this hotel room. It's late at night. You know, we're like, okay, it's Chris, my boss. It's kind of weird. I'm kind of like in my shorts now and got my T-shirt on. You know, take my socks off. He's going to see my feet. I'm going to see his feet. He's brushing his teeth right there. Now I know what it looks like when Chris Wright brushes his teeth. You know, he's going to see my morning hair. I'm going to see his morning hair. Does he snore? Does he like urinate on the lid? You know, like all the questions when you're suddenly with someone. And um, so we're, like, going through all that, like, figuring it out. We're, like, you know, six feet apart now in two twin beds in a hotel room. Like, you know, just all the, like, it's kind of weird, right? And so we're sitting there, and I was sitting there in my bed, and we were kind of, like, we had, like, mutually decided, like, it's about time to turn the lights off and go to sleep. So a long day of meetings, driving to Atlanta, you know, three-hour drive, and um, traffic and meetings and business talk and winding down and... I was sitting on my bed, and he was sitting on his bed. And he, he looked at me, and he said, he just, he, Jeff, what is it? Like, what are you talking about? He said, I just, I've been around you a lot. And he said, there's just, there's something about you. Like, there's something about you that's just different and special. And what is it? Two words. It's Jesus. 
well, I know you go to church, and I know you want to be a preacher one day, and I see you sometimes with your Bible on your lunch break, but I've done all that. I did my mission for two years. You, there's something about you that's different and, and, and right, and, and it's like attractive to me. What is it? It's Jesus. He was baffled. What do you mean it's Jesus? Well, here's the thing. I didn't say this to him, but I think that you know about Jesus, but I know Jesus. And there's a big, big, big difference. How can I know Jesus? Well, I've read the Gospels hundreds of times, and I've concluded after all my years and all my reading that it simply comes down to this. We acknowledge that we have sin. We believe in Jesus to save us, and we surrender to him. It's not what you've done. It's what's been done to you. It's who knows you and who you know. So let's stand. the words of the last song on the wall? Can we do that? Awesome. Let's just sing this together. Holy Ghost, we welcome you. Lord, we, this morning, again, you're inviting us. We ask you to pour yourself out. Lord, we want to know you more. And we ask you to, to just have us, to receive us again. There's some of us in the room that maybe you know that you don't know Jesus at all and you only know about Jesus. Or maybe you, and if that's the case, then you would be becoming a Christian this morning for the first time. And, and, and if you want to know him, and that means that you recognize that you have sin and you have emptiness in your life, and you believe in Jesus as the Savior, and you're ready to say, I want you, Jesus, to come into my life, forgive me of my sins, and I want to know you, not about you. I want to have a relationship with you where you fill me to life overflowing. That may be some of us in the room, and as we sing, if that's you, and you want to make that step, and invite him into your life, then I'm going to invite, you're invited to come forward and let us pray for you. There's others of us this morning that as we talked and looked at this passage, maybe you've just realized I haven't even thought about God in a week, and I'm just in a distant place, and I want to rededicate myself to knowing him. And if that's you, or maybe you've just lived a very religious life, and you feel like it's time for a switch to happen, then we want to pray for you. As it was quoted earlier by Ian, beautiful, beautiful words this morning the laying on of hand, the kindling afresh of the gifts. And we would pray that you would experience him deeper. So if you'd like prayer for, for those things, you're invited to come up and you can just come on up as we're singing. And um, let's sing this together. You've come, you're here.